the best coaches in the game. <laughs> we really ain't playing. We regroup up in the slack chat where the coaches debrief. We be piecing these puzzles, occupy the chunk of the pie. Ain't no lie when we hit the block. Helmets casket is top. What's up, everyone? Welcome back to the DFS Army Bold Call Fantasy Football Podcast presented by Underdog Fantasy, our newest sponsor. We'll get to them in a second. Um, today's topic, best ball leagues. We're continuing with the best ball leagues theme, and we're looking at late round picks that will help you win your draft. Sleepers, favorites, whatever you want to call it. Uh, with me, as always, the hostess with the mostess, Encyclopedia Fantasy Footballica himself, Alan Sislowski, a.k.a. Season Long Says. What's up, Says? My whole life, I, I think I've been prone to addictions, and this is no different, man. I am addicted to playing best ball. Like, I, I think I'm going to tip 125 total best ball contests when I'm done. I love playing. And um, with with our new sponsor, I mean, it's it, it hasn't gotten any easier since uh, we're going to talk about all their different games. I know, I know. I, I love... All right, so you guys know me. You know I'm into daily fantasy football. That's why I'm here. That's what my passion is. I came from a background of someone obsessed with fantasy football, and that hasn't changed. But I also, I love the best ball format because when I'm playing daily, there's two things going on. Number one, that takes up a lot of my time. I don't have a lot of time to set lineups. So as much as I love my season-long style of fantasy football, managing a bunch of teams, regular season-long teams, is difficult for me because I'm also very, very hyper-focused on all the daily fantasy football content that we do and all of that and playing for big money in daily. So the leagues, you know, if I get too many of them, they start to fall between the wayside. With best ball, I don't need to worry about it. I can basically put my drafting to the test well, best and ball, not have to manage a team. Yeah, best ball serves two purposes in general for, I think, is that one is from a season-long perspective, it's you get all the best parts, you draft your team, and then you don't have to worry about it. And then at the end, you just go collect your money like you did on 17 best balls last year. I can't believe you won 17, 17 out of 21. Uh, that, so uh, uh, an 85% win ratio. Yeah, that was good. So, and we'll get to that. We'll get that. But I think the other purpose and what's really good, why I think people should play best ball is there is no better way to prepare for a re your, your, yeah. your home league draft or whatever draft you're in. I mean, you could do all the research you want. You could do read every magazine, every article The you get put to the test about what real ADP is and what players you like when you draft and draft when people have stake in the game. And that's why I love best ball. I do all my research most of my research from playing in, in basketball contests. And 100%. You need to get a feel for how drafts go before you do your real drafts. And it's always a disservice to just jump into a draft thinking you know everything, even even I, even anybody else. Um, when you've done a bunch of drafts, you start to get a sense of, oh, if I take a tight end here, this winds up happening. Uh, maybe I should wait. Or if I take a QB early, my team looks like this. So those are all really, really important things. And jumping real quick over to our sponsor, one of the cool things about their format, they're not just doing regular best ball leagues against, you know, 10, 12 people, which I do a lot of, and those are great, and they have those, but they're also doing some pretty big tournaments, and between you and me, I don't think they're going to fill. I think there's going to be a lot of quote-unquote overlay in these, but they're also really reasonable price points, so they they play like a tournament. Um, like there's a one called The Bubble, which is a $5 entry, 100 k in prizes, um, contests where you, you once you get through your league, you kind of compete against all the other league winners for these massive prizes, which is really cool. And it mimics the GPP, except in this GPP, you don't have to go up against, uh, you know, the top DFS players in the world and their algorithms in their 150 lineups. Here, it's a really level playing field. It's really easy. And they also have the Best Ball Mania, which is their $1 million in prizes contest. Again, I don't think this thing fills. There's going to be a ton of overlay. It's a super opportunity to get into a tournament, 25 bucks an entry. So really, really cool stuff from the, these guys. They came, they had built the draft app. So it's basically very, very, very similar to what we all loved over the last couple of years, the draft app, but with some upgrades and, you know, the same team behind it. So really, really good stuff. Yeah, underdog fantasy. If you go to the um, if you go to your app store, just type in underdog fantasy, and it's the little superhero dog with the yellow cape. Just download that app, and literally, you know how I, I found I, I gave the app to to my mother, and I said, 
figure this out. I wanted to see if she could figure it out. And she figured it out. And I think that's always a good sort of litmus test to see if it's easy to use. Uh, have your mother see if she could figure it out. Yeah, if, ma if mama says can do it, anyone can do it. So let's get into <laughs> the topic of today, which is how to win your best ball league. These things carry over to season long leagues, but there's a definite difference for me. And we talked about it on the last episode where we, we really focused on the general strategy for best balls. A lot of like where to take your running backs, how many to take, how many quarterbacks you need, why you can wait on wide receiver and load up on them. Whereas running back, that's a little sketchier of an approach. So watch the first how to win your best ball. <laughs> if you haven't seen it yet, make sure you go check it out. It'll be, you know, we'll put a link in the um, description of this podcast below. But today, what I want to focus on is how you actually win them, which is once you have that strategy in place, who are the players that are going to help you win this league? And my experience, and I don't know, says if yours has been the same. My experience is these leagues are won in rounds 10 through 20. Everybody's going to get pretty good players in the first, you know, 10-ish or so rounds. But if you can have production from your later round players, guys who are producing for your team, and in best ball, again, because of the format, how anybody who's putting up points any given week is elevated as the point scorer for your team. We don't need consistent every week scores. What we need are players that put up big scores every once in a while. And if you get enough of them, they all combine together to give you a great score each week and to help you win your league. Not to mention that half of your league mates will be getting zeros because they don't know what the fuck they're doing. It's also in important to... Um depending on where you're playing best ball to, to uh, figure out what the roster requirements are and what, how many rounds there are. So like an underdog fantasy, what I like about it is there's 18 rounds, but there's no kicker and no defense. So that gives you some roster flexibility for the onesie positions, like the quarterback tight end. You can in in some other best ball platforms, you might not be able to have three of those quarterbacks or three tight ends in, in underdog. What I like about playing there, it changes my strategy where I can get, um, three of each of those. And that changes the ADP slightly in the rounds that you're talking about, Geek. Um, definitely. Definitely. You want to focus on depth. So within your own team itself, you want to focus on, all right, how many of each position group do I need? And if you acquire studs, and I can actually talk about, I, I actually have an interesting strategy. I'm going to get into it. Before we get into the late round sleepers, I want to run one thing by you that I've been thinking about. So one of the tenets of best ball for me for the past few years, and again, I've been extremely successful at this. I've played them for multiple years to the point where after the first year, I figured out, okay, this is how you have to do it. I was getting zeros at positions and I realized, oh shit, I drafted this like a season long. So what I figured out is you need to have multiple, multiple stud running backs because when you take handcuffs or when you're forced to take a bunch of handcuffs, what happens is you're spending an eighth or ninth round pick on a guy that many, many weeks will just get you a zero. And you don't want that. You want scoring coming from all position groups. So I like to focus very, very heavily on running back early. But I had a thought that Michael Thomas is so freaking good and he's so consistent as a wide receiver that having a Michael Thomas on your team, when, when I don't have stud wide receivers, I basically need to get seven, eight or nine of them on the team to make sure that I have at least three or four that are putting up a decent number. So I can, and we'll talk about these late round guys that I think are part of those six, seven, eight, nine wide receivers that I do believe will get you stud level wide receiver production. But I had a crazy thought about Michael Thomas and that he's so good that he reduces the need for all of the depth at wide receiver to the point where you can take him fourth or fifth or sixth and still field a really, really good team because it allows me to not need eight or nine wide. I pretty much know I have one of my three wide receiver spots locked down with a pretty good score every single week. Michael Thomas rarely does. Last season, I don't think he had a dud. Maybe one or two. Yeah. I, I agree with that in a vacuum. Like what you just said is true. Like, you know, you take a vol in most best ball contests, you're taking a volume of wide receivers because wide receivers as a whole are very volatile week to week, predictable year to year. And you, if you have a volume of eight or nine, 
you're just hoping two of them pop each week at a high level and one of them can form like a baseline. Whereas if you have Michael Thomas, it you only have to you know that one of those spots is locked in. But the thing is, you know, if Michael Thomas was available in the second round, if he was available at the end of the first round, it's it's a no-brainer strategy. The real and I'm not saying you're incorrect here, but there's a there's a real opportunity cost, isn't there, of taking oh, yeah. Michael Thomas in the in the fifth pick overall. Like you're well, saying once the well, opportunity is the opportunity is maybe a guy who I like. I'm going to give you a direct comparison. His teammate Alvin Kamara, and th that's a decision that you're making right around pick number five. Or I could make an argument even all the way up to Zeke Elliott, pick number three, where Mike Thomas is going to deliver 25, 30 plus fantasy points way more frequently than any of these other guys will. Absolutely, so, absolutely, on a raw points basis. But it's about it's not just about that single event. Like it's not about who will deliver more fantasy points, Michael Thomas or Ezekiel Elliott. In fact, I'd probably bet on Michael Thomas, right? I but would it's one hundred percent bet on Michael Thomas, right? But it's what happens in the second and third round. Is it worth now when you add up your first three round picks? What's the better side, taking Zeke with what you have in the second and third round, or taking Michael Thomas with the second and third round because of what it forces you to do with your roster construction? And again, that's the question they have to ask. I can make a strong argument for Michael Thomas. I, I really couldn't. I've been thinking more yeah. and more about it, and I do think it's the move after pick. Probably, uh, I mean, like I said, as high as pick three, but but. Beyond that, I'm starting because you can get. I've done enough of these already where you'll get two pretty good guys at the end of you know the the mid second rounder. You're getting an Austin Eckler, Kenyon Drake. No, you're not anymore. You're not. You know, those I just guys got are, Kenyon Drake at the end. Kenyon Drake, not on not an underdog. You didn't because an underdog those guys is a sharp is a sharp room and those guys are are going. Oh, you know you know why you're getting Drake and Eckler. I'm sorry, you probably because in underdog it's half PPR. Drake and Eckler and PPR will probably get pushed. Those guys are actual PPR push-up guys. Whereas in half PPR, you know, usually it doesn't make that much of a difference. Those two guys, it makes a difference. Yeah, so they're they're very big. So you can get those guys though later. Mm -hmm. And you can get Todd Gurley in the third round. And you can get Mark Ingram in the fourth round. There, there are good players. Uh, the you could get the stinky cheese guys, uh, as you love to say. You can get, how about DeAndre Swift? So there are names that you can get a little later, especially if you can take in. You don't have to start grabbing wide receivers soon because you've got your stud production locked up. So uh, you know I'm the number one advocate of running back, running back, running four in a row. But I'm just saying, I'm open to wide receiver, running back, running back, running back. Well, let me running let back. me ask. Let me ask you this though, in a half PPR format, which I think is close, you know, people would say, "Oh, split the difference, half PPR." I don't think that half PPR is splitting the difference, even though it actually is. I think it's closer to standard. I mean, sorry, I hate that term, standard, to non PPR than it is to PPR. Meaning, um, like Derek Henry becomes so much more valuable in this format, and. Is Michael Thomas, since he's not a big touchdown guy like Devontae Adams, in a half PPR format like it is on Underdog's app, is my does does this theory then not as let's say viable because it's half? Yeah, PPR. I would I would dampen it for half point PPR because Michael Thomas absolutely is a PPR monster. That's right. really where his whereas Devontae Adams is more of a touchdown guy. So maybe he, you know, I'm not saying you move him up that far, but he's a viable first round pick. Whereas in a lot of these best yeah, balls, no, and, and Devontae Adams always was a viable first round towards that end of that first round. He, again, you're just measuring it against who's around. Like you're there mm -hmm. and it's maybe you don't want Chubb. Maybe you don't like that. He splits touches with Kareem Hunt. Maybe, you know, some of these names that fall in that range Maybe you're not as high on Miles Sanders as the crowd might be. You Again, know, PPR, right? You know that he. You feel like Miles Sanders is gonna is gonna be more valuable in PPR formats. So when you're talking, uh, we really don't know. I don't know how they're gonna use him. I, I have some interesting notes on him in my rankings. Uh, but let's get into all right. So let's let's get into the topic of the this episode because again, late round. I'm telling you this be, from experience, multiple years of doing this. You don't you win by getting the right players in rounds 10 through 20. And for that reason, we're going to talk about players that we love that you can get after the 10th round in your best ball drafts. We're using the underdog fantasy ADP data, but it's very, very similar to any other best ball site. So you're going to get a general. I'll tell you right now that the, the ADP here is pretty sharp. Like, you know, on some of the other apps that we we've played on, we've tried out, there it's a little softer it seems like some really if you want to challenge yourself and 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 see what kind of a fantasy football player you are and still be able to win money because like you said of the overlay issue that 
this is this is good ADP right here. I like it. Well, it's 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 legitimate data from legitimate players. So yeah, I'm, I'm going to start us off here because I have a few loves. There are some players that wind up on every single one of my teams. And when I'm giving out this information, I want I want you guys to be on the same group because when I'm fucking kicking ass, I want you to kick ass with me. That is the whole point of DFS Army. That's the point of the Bold Calls podcast. It's like, hey, let's do this together, right? Do what I'm, I'm sharing what I'm doing so that you can kind of do the same and you'll understand a little bit uh, where we're coming from when we say these things. So the first player I'm going to mention, and I've mentioned him on some of the other shows before, ADP 176 overall. Okay, that is what? Round 15 in your fantasy draft. And I love this player. He's a wide receiver, Randall Cobb, wide receiver, Houston, Texas. And let me give you my reasoning. I try, I try to get Randall Cobb on every single um, best ball team. I have him on every single best ball team I have. And here's why, says. He's playing the slot wide receiver position for the Texans, a team with two wide receivers ahead of him who are both incredibly injury-prone. Will Fuller, we're afraid to take him. Why? He's always hurt. Brandon Cooks, what's the problem with him? He always gets hurt. So who's hanging out there in the middle? Randall Cobb, okay? We, we, we know that Randall Cobb, even last year, as like the extra piece, I believe, he uh, on the Cowboys, he would have these occasional spike games. And I fully expect, even with a fully healthy squad in Houston, that you'll get healthy spike games. You'll have these spike games anyway. But if one of the two primary wide receiver goes down for Houston, in the 15th round, you're getting a wide receiver playing the slot for a team that scores a shitload, that has an elite quarterback, and doesn't have other options to throw to, and is not going to rely heavily on the running game. I'm obsessed with Randall Cobb for my best ball team I don't love him on my season long. He's not a guy I want to leave as a starter every single week. I think he will have dud games, really, really kind of crap all the games. I think he's more like a like a really kind of like a 4K-ish level player on, on DraftKings to get an idea of where his salary will fall. But he's a guy that's going to give you spike games. I love him. You get him in there. He's going to give you five or six weeks of probably elite wide receiver production in round 15. How do you beat that, says? You try. Yeah, I mean, here, okay, that's, you know, that's definitely Hold good. over to you. Do the, better. The, the, the issue with, uh, and I, and I, by the way, I agree with you. So, but I'm just saying the issue with Randall Cobb is that he's, uh, he's, he's coming to a new team. We know traditionally coming to a new team could be a problem, but I think, I think you correctly identified Randall Cobb as he's like a real professional football player. If anyone's going to get the system and know how to study up, it's going to be a player like Randall Cobb. He, I mean, even when he walked right into Dallas, he had like 800 yards. So that doesn't really apply to him. And yeah, I mean, in a PPR league, even in a half PPR league, he, he's going to be one of those guys that just, he scores for you. And in the 15th round, that, that's a really good pick right there. Um, someone that I have uh, that I was going to say that I, I've been found myself, you know, again, you get tested when you go into these, these underdog fantasy drafts, you really find out who you like by who you're going to click on. And um, I'm staying in the same range as you are, like that 15th round-ish uh, ADP in the, in the 170s. And um, I got a question for you. Geek, do you know who had the most receiving yards on the Pittsburgh Steelers last year? Listen, if it was Washington, um, there you go. It was James Washington. James Washington wouldn't blow my mind. Right. Okay. James Washington is going in the 15th round. Deontay Johnson's going in the eighth round. Now, I'm not saying Deontay Johnson doesn't have a good chance to take a step forward, but is the chasm of these two ADPs, James Washington, who led the team in receiving yards in the same amount of games. Why is he an afterthought with Ben Roethlisberger coming back? It was Ben, uh, James Washington had an 80 yard catch in the beginning of the year. Do you know who threw him that ball? It wasn't Mason Rudolph. Let me just clue you in there. It was Ben Roethlisberger. I'm not saying you got a breakout star. He's going to lead the team in receptions. Probably it's going to be Juju and yards, but I'm just saying in a best ball format where you don't have to call the shot, where it just James Washington is likely going to score for you. He's probably um, similar is similar to Will Fuller in a sense where you just there's no risk involved because of the the price, and he's probably going to have pop weeks. I wouldn't be surprised if we have two catches for 110 yards and and a touchdown on at least three weeks. Uh, James Washington is an auto click for me, and nobody wants him. 
I'm definitely down with the James Washington pick. I think it's fine that late. He's not a guy who I, I wind up with on many teams um, for whatever reason. I, I don't have him on my best ball teams right now, but I don't mind the pick at all. I think it's probably because I'm generally, there's a couple of other names in that area that I might like a little bit. But that's the thing about best ball. You're, you're not playing one best ball and going home. No. What you're doing is you're playing 10, you're playing 15. I, I, you know, like I said, I'm up to like in the fifties already. It might even be close to 60 and you want to spread out. I want to get a little, this guy, a little, that guy, just in case. And what happens is, you know, in the last, you know, 10 or dozen of them that I've done, um, he's been a, an ad in probably like 13 of the last 15 best balls. I love it. All right. I'm going to give you another name of mine and, and I'm sticking with the wide receiver theme because as I hate to wide receiver is who we want in this zone. This is why we're taking. All right, let me. This is why you're not taking Michael Thomas in the first well, round. I generally don't. <laughs> I, this is why I generally don't. And this is why we're hammering running backs early, because when you get to the twelfth, the thirteenth, and fifteenth, there's so much great value in actual wide receivers that will be on the field. Uh, let me give you an example. I'm in round 15. We just talked about Randall Cobb, a guy who's going to be on the field for three rounds, uh, for three downs. He's out there. He's a slot guy. He's always on the field. If I'm looking at the running backs in this area, it's like Jarek McKinnon, you know, 49ers. Oh, I don't know what team he's even on right now. You, you know what I'm saying? Like he probably will get you a zero or Joshua Kelly from the Chargers. Those are the types of running backs that are available in this part of the draft. There's AJ Dillon, you know, might, you By know, the way, I do not stand with you on Jarek McKinnon. You, you're, I like your philosophy here, but Jarek McKinnon is going to be the third down back. He took a pay cut to stay with the team. He's funny enough. He's a we'll, guy we'll I've been see, adding we'll lately. See if that happens, right? Yeah. Or it's having, but but okay, fine. But still, you're talking about a third I, down back. Your guy, point is taken. Your point yeah, is well received. You're 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 t you're dealing with like really scrubby running backs that probably won't be on the field very much versus. Wide receivers, and I'm going to tell you, guy, I absolutely love next. But versus wide receivers that are on the field every play, they might not be as consistent, but they're out right. there all the time, and they do have big games. And I'm going to say, and, my, my, uh, just my, before my, you before you say the guy again, the, the reason again it, that I gravitate towards someone like James Washington is because the format specific, and in a half PPR, long plays are king. So that's what, yeah, and and he's playing. Let's he's playing the role of. Um, Deshaun Jackson. Well, the show, the burner. I, I have another name that I like to always use, but basically the burner for Pitts, the Pittsburgh offense is so formulaic. It's the same all the time. They have the, Oh, the Darius Hayward Bay role of the guy who just runs out and burns. And he, uh, yeah, but there is Hayward, but come on, that guy never did a thing. That's yeah. Right. I called the right, Darius but go ahead. Give me your next one. That's what the Darius people Darius. want. DH Bizzles. All right. My next guy, Preston Williams, 11th round pick. Via ADP, okay? Number two wide receiver for Miami. Before he gets hurt last year, he's actually outperforming Devontae Parker, who I love. I like getting Devontae Parker and Preston Williams on the same team because now I'm locking, and this is a little strategy I use, where I lock up the production from a team in full. So when I have Parker on my team, I almost always try to get Preston Williams because it's going one or the other way. Like, you're throwing a Parker, you're throwing a Williams, or you ain't throwing anybody. So I like to lock up the entire wide receiver core, especially when it's cheap, from a single team. Preston Williams, the dude looks incredible. You said he dropped in the draft? Yeah, I mean, Pre uh, yeah. Preston Williams was likely going to be a first or second round pick. He had some off-the-field issues and w went undrafted. Extreme talent with this kid. Comes coming off the injury. He seems healthy now. He's making catches. I've literally watched just in the last couple days film of Preston Williams making Odell Beckham style one-handed um super catches in the bubble in the Miami practice bubble. It might be Tua, it might be uh Fitzpatrick. I don't care. Give me Preston Williams late as an explosive wide receiver who I think could actually elevate himself to the point where he is this year's DJ shark. He is this year's breakout guy. So what do you say about Preston Williams and um, in the 11th round? I, I like what you said about Preston Williams um, being unheralded, unheralded because he uh, had some off the field issues and he came out of the gate firing. I mean, he, he was leading the team in, in targets. He was leading the, the team in yards, I believe. I mean, he just looked like an amazing like star 
one of these guys that had just gotten forgotten about. And then what happens? He he tears his ACL. And the problem I have with Preston Williams in 2020 drafts is that it happened late in the season. It happened in week nine. Now, it, it looks like things are going well for him. So I'll seed you that. But he's not a lock to be ready for week one. And it's, you know, if you make him an 11th and a 12th round pick in your season long league, and it's, it's a problem, you just cut him and you move on. And it's a super, and I agree with that. He, he should be on your redraft teams. The problem in, in best ball, as we know, is there's no waiver wire. And let's just say, you know, we're going to suffer so many injuries as you correctly identified in the beginning of this podcast. It's a game of attrition. Why walk in? Why, why get on the boat with an injury? And, uh, it could pay off. It could, again, in, be- in best ball, it's similar to DFS. If you don't get the, one of the top two places, you, it's, you get zero. So I like it as a home run play, but I think that um, I proceed cautiously optimistic about a late season ACL. Is that a fair counterpoint? Your, your, your brand is absolutely all about staying away from last year's injuries. Only because year, we, so. yeah, only because we get so many of them during the season. I just don't want to start with an injury. Yeah, no. And that's been your brand and and that stays on brand for you. And I'm not surprised that that's your reaction. I'm still doing it because yeah, no, I'm it's not to wrong to risk. do it. I also just like, I feel like if he gets hurt and I have Devontae Parker on the team, that it's fine because now Parker's getting all the looks and I don't need the backup player. So like, I'm okay with it in that sense also. And I also have this concern that, um, I just want to make sure I lock up the entire backfield of a team. I'll be honest with you. I do that very, very much with Crowder and Bashard Perriman as well, because it feels to me like I'm locking up the production on a team. No one wants exposure to no one likes the jets, but you know what? They're going to throw for touchdowns. And one of these two guys is going to have a good game almost every week. Don't know which one, but it doesn't matter to me if I have both on my team. So again, I'm drafting multiple, multiple, multiple wide receivers. I'm yeah. drafting them late. After most of the wide, uh, you know, the names that everybody are, is into are gone. So I like I have this approach of trying to lock up an entire backfield. Another one that I've done is Marquise Brown and um, and Boykin. Yeah. Just, hey, That's let me get them all. Let me get or you know, let me just lock and lock it down. There, none of them are elite, but let me get them all. So I've said mine. Give me your next one. On yeah, the by the way, by the way Hollywood Brown, his his stock keeps moving up. He's going consistently in like the fifth and sixth round and, now. And I, it I, might have moved up a little too much for me at this point. Yeah, I mean, in the beginning of uh, best ball season in like March, where I was, whew, man, I was I was touting him as like the best eighth round pick in the whole in, in the history of fantasy football. But uh, that is no longer. I still actually like him, and I think that he could deliver on that ADP. I just, you know, like when you, when you get something at a discount, you don't like paying full retail for it. You know, later on. So tell people, me about it, man. Tell me about it. <laughs> people people get addicted to discounts you know um all right so movie uh, geek qu- uh correctly I have more, I, man i got more yeah, yeah geek correctly identified that you want to attack running back early on in your draft so you're not picking at the scraps and potential zeros as you get down into the later rounds but i i, I told you this offline i am not i know there's a lot of anti leonard Fournette sentiment going around right now, but I think it's founded. And I'm saying that he is not a lock to be the starter, you know, a couple weeks into the season. I just think that the team doesn't like him. So what does that mean? All right. If you, if you buy into that and you're off of Fournette, you have to say, okay, the Jaguars may want to see that if in their 2021 draft, if they need to attack the running back position, or are they happy with what they have and what they have behind them is last year's fifth round pick, Raquel Armstead. And um, a free agent they picked up from the Saints, so I think de- uh, drafted Divina Zigbo in the seventh round out of Nebraska, and both of these running backs to me are live plays. Now, Raquel Armstead is a little bit more expensive; he's like a eleventh or thirteenth round ish. Uh, Ozigbo is undrafted, so you can add him at the end. And there was reports today, as we're recording this podcast in the the week of August seventeenth, um, that Ozigbo was running with the starters now. Again, you talked about running backs that could get you zeros. This is one of them. He could get a zero, but is your last round pick, and you're talking about possibilities, and you just you totally neglected running back. You only have three that you feel good about. I'm adding Armstead in the 13th. I'm adding Zigbo if I miss on him in the last round, and thinking I think there's like a 35 to 40 percent chance that that's your Jacksonville starter for like at least more than half of the season. Listen, you know. That's totally fine as a, as an approach if you didn't load up on running back early it's or if you happen to have, be the person that took 
Leonard Fournette. You definitely want to back that up. Yes, that's a good. You know what? That I hate cuffs, but that's a good one. Yeah, you need to cuff him because you got him in the third round, and if it works out, great. You got your guy in the third round, and for just a case, this seems like a you know. The problem is we don't know which one, or if it's going to be both of those guys. But I think you can put your chips on whatever one you like better, and at least have a reasonable. It's not like a guaranteed handcuff. Like, hey, if I if I have draft David Johnson and then I get Duke Johnson, I think I'm good. This is like, but it's much cheaper too. Seventeenth round, eighteenth round, in. in uh, in in uh, underdog fantasy, their last round is a great you know. And again, that's we're hope we're you and I geek. We're we're drafting wide receivers there, but just in case you were tempted to take Chris Godwin in the second, and then you like AJ Brown don't the third, and you just yeah. don't do it. But Please. if you do, but if you do, but if you do, but don't. This is your escape hatch, Divino yeah, Ziggler. Your whole life. Reason <laughs> I'm going to keep hammering wide receivers because that's who I take late, guys, and that's how I want you to draft your team. I want you to be at the point by round 11, 12, where you're like, ah, shit, I need my third tight end. I probably need my third quarterback, and I need to load up on more of these useful wide receiver pieces. Again, every one of them is stinky cheese for your season-long league. I don't want any of these guys because if you're starting, you know, Steven Sims senior. What the hell the is, is he? Steven Sims jr. The father, the father. I don't think he plays football. No, I want Steve Smith senior. Oh yeah. No, he, I he, want Steve he plays Smith football. Senior's yeah, son, you, Steve you, Smith jr. I, I but, have a, an on topic question. Um, you know, everyone in the DFS army knows that you're a big jets fan. You know I mean? Yeah. You, you are basically, you've been there since the beginning. You root for them as a kid and you stay with them as adult. You're self-loathing. You're the typical jets fan. You hate yourself. You hate the jets, but the jets you, caused me, to get into fantasy football. Right. Okay. So where are you in talk? We're talking about late round picks. Um, Chris Herndon, where are you yeah, on Her- him? Herndon's great. Listen, I think Herndon's one of the best sleepers of the tight end position in the entire league. The dude keeps getting hurt though. So it's very hard. Well, to he trust him. He, he didn't get hurt his first year. He actually showed out. Right. And then he got suspended in 2019. And then, he got and then when he came back, he got hurt and then he was in the doghouse and just, but Usually tight ends that show like a pulse their rookie year, that's good. Like a lot um, of tight, a lot of good tight ends don't do anything their rookie year. He the actually most, the most important thing with him, and this is one of the reasons why I like J- Jameson Crowder also. Adam Gase brought the old Miami Dolphins offense. And I put offense in quotes because it wasn't that good of an offense, but and it's but he brought this offensive style to the Jets. And the main role in that offense was the role that Jarvis Landry played, the crossing man, right? He, he just basically runs short crossing patterns. Jarvis and the, Landry? And, oh, in Miami. Okay. In yeah. Miami, when, Jar, when when Jarvis Landry was there, he played this role, right, of short crossing pass, uh, short crossing patterns. It's kind of like a West Coast thing. You throw the short pass, you want him to run and, run and catch the ball, and a lot of guys crossing the middle of the field. Last season, they had Jameson Crowder in that role because – uh, Herndon was hurt for most of the year. And even when he came back, then he got hurt right away. But I, I, I got my entry to the King of the beach contest by playing, um, the backup tight end for the jets. Ryan Graham, I believe was the name who put up 28 points that week propelled me into the final by making that decision because I know the jets like to throw to the tight end position. So I yeah, mean, if Herndon- dude, dude, Sam and Sam Darnold made Ryan Griffin fantasy relevant last year. He I did. mean, and oh. that, and there is no more just a guy than Ryan Griffin. Hundred percent. So, so yeah, Herndon has a shot, but he wants you want him as your third tight end taken. And you want to have like decent guy, some yeah, no, top and you, end, and you can get him at tight end twenty eight. You can get him as yeah. your third guy. Now, you, you said Hang something on. interesting. You said about like Gase's system. Um, I heard the other day, um. Mike Salfino, who who is a Wall Street journal journal reporter in the Athletic and all this, but he said something interesting. He said that the tight end production is more based on not offensive system, but quarterback preference. He said there's certain quarterbacks, regardless of system, who favor the tight end. And then he went on to cite why Sam Darnold is one of those guys. So again, I, I don't, I don't, I don't remember the exact science or the data he pulled behind that, but just as observing the jets, as much as you do, I think that's right. I think Chris Herndon is someone that I don't have on many teams and I am going to forego elite tight end in some of these and just get like maybe one in the middle and then two of those end game guys from now on. Absolutely nothing wrong with that. I actually saw a great breakdown from uh, your boy. He's the fantasy football engineer. 
Oh, I Kevin O'Brien, who was talking about how mid-round tight ends bust at a massively high level and why it's borderline never the right move to take one of these guys. Like after you get past the first two or three, you know, that it's almost always the best move. Like the round is it like tight end seven through like, 15? no, it was like tight end four through tight oh, end wow. like nine that they only wind up as a TE one, some, some 40% of the time. So the bust rate for wasting a pick early on a tight end is massive. And this is why you and I have come up with guys who, by the way, do show up in the post um, 10th round situation. So I want to mention a couple of them since okay. it's, it's topical to this show. Um, you can get Mike Gisecki, who is the perfect, perfect breakout tight end candidate here. Yeah, I mean, what, just I'm going to let you run. do. Your, I'm going to let you do the Gisecki rap because we identified him early on as a guy who would move up. But now there's so much. It's so obvious with Gisecki to me that there's pushback on Gisecki. So good, give the Gisecki rap. But it just uh, seems yeah. like with all the injuries. I mean, this is one of the beautiful things about what we do. go back to May on our fucking tight end show. We're like, dude, this guy's going TE 16. He should be top 12. So, so like it, all the stuff we talk about happens, which is why it's really nice to draft these leagues months ago when, when we have like an edge on the field uh, in terms of ADP, but Gusecki was breaking out at the end of last year, uh, Miami, not a team with tons of pass catching options. As you said before, Preston Williams and injury risk, right? Mike Gusecki, Coming on strong towards the end of last year, tons of targets, um, breakout candidate here. You can get him super late. Um, he is the perfect guy. I believe he's actually ranked number 120 overall, according to ADP. So exactly the first pick in the 10th round of your draft. I don't mind taking him as the first tight end that I have on my team. I'll mention the other name that's in that range that you can get past. That's I still consider semi-elite, and you do too. You put me on him. Jonu Smith it goes a few picks later or, or about a round or so later. So you can get these types of guys in the 10th round. Don't need to spend a fourth rounder on Zach Ertz. Don't yeah, need one, to. The one thing that's a little concerning about Kaseki, but not enough to like stop me from where he's going is the yards per target. And it's just, you know, he, it's a lot of short stuff. It's like in the mid sixes is yards per target. What I'm just saying is, you know, you have some of these tight ends. You can talk about the elite tight ends, the elite tight ends catch the ball down the field, down that seam. Doesn't, um, yeah. I'm doesn't, just saying it's not, it's not a, a total buzzkill, but it, it's something to pay attention to that. It's a lot of short stuff. What I'm looking for in best ball are players that are involved in their team's offense. End quote. As long as you're involved, as long as you're getting four or five targets a game, as long as you have the occasional 12-pointer to deliver for me, the occasional 18-point game, that's all I'm asking because I've got three of you. So I just need three guys that are involved, and my hope is that every week, at least one of the three will produce enough to get me 10-plus points at the tight end position, which is all I want in my best ball team. I need the I, I can't get zeros. But I don't. I don't need to spend a fourth a fourth round pick on a guy hoping that he's going to get me um, twenty two points a game when there are actual running backs and wide receivers and other players that will get me twenty points uh, most games still available. But here I am taking a hope and prayer thing. No, I'll have a few of them. So, like I said, you can get Herndon, and he can have five weeks this year where he gets between eighteen to twenty three fantasy points. Yeah, I mean, I like the middle tier a little bit in fantasy this year, but I really think I'm drawing a, a hard uh, magic marker line after uh, Darren Waller's name, who even him I'm a little goosey on, but like after him is tight end six, then it becomes the middle for me. I think the elite tier, and I know there's a super elite tier when you talk about Travis Kelty, but tier one, when you're really talking about tight ends that you really feel good about, I think there's six of them. You know, it's Kelsey Kittle, Ertz, Mark Andrews. We have Mark Andrews at number two, by the way. Um uh, it's Waller and who the heck am I missing? I'm missing one. Maybe more. Evan Ingram. I mean, are you putting Evan Ingram on that no, in that um, category? Tyler Higby. 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 That's yeah. the guy. Sorry about that. Yeah, Higby and Ingram. Obviously, just because of the injury history, and you know, we have to push him down. But if you talk about like if I was guaranteed 16 games, don't you hate when people say that? When you're guaranteed 16 games, I mean, Evan Ingram is is one of the best athletic tight ends. He doesn't block. He's one of those tight ends. And that's the same with Gasicki. They don't block. Don't you love that when the I when like yeah they have. Yeah, they have no blocking skills. Like they're like, okay, this is just going to be an oversized wide receiver. I love that. All By right. the way, another one that I was just reading about. Since we're on the post tenth round tight end discussion here, and we, we you mentioned a few great ones. Another one is Blake Blake Jarwin. This this guy is going to be a player, man. Jason Witten's out of there. Blake Jarwin is not a blocker. He's learning to block. Actually, oh. um, 
the Cowboys just came out. They're going to they said we're going to play a ton of 11 uh, personnel sets, which includes uh, a tight end uh, in the game. And he's learning to block. They think it's going to be better for Zeke. They're going to spread the field around a little bit more and get a block. But he's going to be out on the field much more than ever before. So he's another name. But I want to get back. uh, One second. Stay with that for a second because this is an important question I want to ask you. So, I mean, the obvious counter to that, I'm not breaking any ground by saying, is that he's assumably the fifth target on the team. Okay, so you have, you know, your two Gallup and and Amari Cooper. Obviously, CeeDee Lamb looks like he's going to walk into being a a professional, um, you know, pass catcher right away. And then, of course, Zeke gets passes. But this is how I've answered that question before. When people say, well, he's the fifth target. There's going to be so much coverage on those guys. It's going to be a lot of times where they get down to like the 12-yard line and you're like, oh, wow, that's another Blake Jarwin touchdown and no one's guarding him. You know, it's going to be, I think he, he's a lot, I'm not saying he's going to be a yardage and a catch monster, but he, I think is, has a very good chance to be that Eric Ebron tight end that catches 10 touchdowns out of nowhere. And it's low yardage, low catch volume. I I have a theory about what you just said. And yes, I agree with you there, but I have a theory about it that I think the three wide receivers eat into wide receiver target production. They mm-hmm. don't in, eat into tight end target production. Yeah, and they draw the they draw the coverage away, as we just said. Yeah, they, no, that, they, that makes sense. They do. They're 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 eating into each other to the point where I don't love any of those three wide receivers because there's just too many of them to feed, especially when CD Lamb starts to really be integrated into the offense. So I don't love any of them. But I don't think that I, I, it's a different position group. I think when a play is called to the tight end, for example, doesn't matter. Like. He's going to get his looks because he's playing a different position group. So it doesn't bother me that they have uh, the three wide receivers bothers me much more for just I don't really I'm not drafting Amari Cooper like in my season long league where he's going because they just have too many other options. And and I don't like that. There's too many too many mouths to feed on a team that likes to run the football and plays at a very slow pace. It doesn't work for me. And I never draft Amari Cooper and I never draft Michael Gallup and I never draft CeeDee Lamb because there's too many of those guys. I, I just don't like that. Um, but I don't think it doesn't bother me at the tight end position. So let's move on and I will throw it over to you. Give me another late round sleeper. That's winding up on a lot to all of your best ball teams. The guys that you're kind of grabbing maybe a round or two, even ahead of where he shows in his ADP where you're like, I just need this guy on my team. I think he's going to help me win my league and no one likes him. He's got the stinky cheese. Um, uh, there's no one. It's all it, when you, it's hard to call guys in the 15th round, 16th, 17th, 18th round, stinky cheese, because you know that we well, don't hear because of that. Right. Yeah. Right. Right. So I'm, I'm going to give you a specific player name, but I'm going to first describe a specific player type. And I've said this on other podcasts. So humor me a minute. Uh, sophomore wide receivers who have disappointed their rookie season. Okay. Guys that were first or second round picks. Not so much a third round pick, but first or second round picks in the real NFL draft that just didn't deliver. I, I mean, mean you, do you want me to guess now? Because I can throw out a bunch of names. Yeah, I mean, we could, you know, we know all those names, but the one yeah. that you're talking about, the one that's going the cheapest of them all is JJ Arcega Whiteside. Now, I still like him for a couple reasons. One, I mean, you go back to his, his days in college and of 21 end zone targets, he caught 20 of them for touchdowns. Now, I know it didn't go well his first year, but by all accounts, he was fighting off an injury. Sometimes guys just take a, a minute to, to get up to speed. But with Alshon Jeffrey already on the pup, the other wide receiver is a rookie who doesn't play the same position as J.J. Arcega-Whiteside. I know they have the two tight ends. Certainly know that, but that's it. J.J. Arcega-Whiteside in the first month of the season is going to be put into the deep water and it's sink or swim. They're going to throw him the football when they get close, and that's what he does best. Now, he could be he could bust. He could be a guy that's just not made for the NFL. But I went back and looked again at, at the college tape, and I know college isn't the NFL, but he's just too damn dominant in the red zone, and I mean in the end zone, not like the 18-yard line red zone. He's a player who you don't you could yell to the room, I'm taking JJ Arcega Whiteside and still get him with your last pick. Nobody wants him. Uh I'm very interested in him in my best ball team. Absolutely. Your last pick of your of your league. He's available. Pick 20 if you're on DraftKings or FanDuel or DraftKings. Um, and, and he's available pick 18 on underdog. So um he's he's there for you if you want him. Yeah. I don't mind the play either. I think it's a little risky because I'll give you a different name that I like more, and and I'll give you the reason why. 
So the risk with staying Ginger, with that theme, staying with the sophomores that failed theme or something no, else. No, no. I mean, I have the listen. We could talk about Paris Campbell. We could talk about yeah. Nikhil Harry. Those guys are more expensive though. More expensive. Like Nikhil Harry, I think is going to be great. Um, Paris Campbell, maybe. Um, but no, I'm going to give you a different name of a guy who I I think no one really wants. No one kind of likes or pays attention to this fellow, but I, and I've mentioned him before on on these shows. But again, in my theory of putting up a volume of wide receivers with the hope of avoiding zeros. I want my tens and my twelves. I want my occasional twenties. I'm getting my elite production from my early picks. And from these guys, I just want them driving my wide receiver position forward so that I never get zeros. I never get like two. You, you, the worst thing in your best ball is when you're looking through your scores for the week. And it's like, you're looking at wide receiver, you get like a 17 from your best guy. And then you get like a nine and a four. And you're like, a fucking four was the best third guy I had. What, what What's going on here? And then, you know, these leagues are like your fantasy league. Like, you know, the winner is scoring 165 points. And, you know, every point counts. Russell Gage. Okay. My man, third wide receiver. Atlanta Falcons available right there. Last pick in the draft. He's the number three wide receiver. He's got a couple things going for him. Number one, they throw to him. He's not coming off of a year where he had no production. Even with Julio healthy and Calvin Ridley in there, Gage was getting four to nine targets per game. They weren't like the most exciting targets. He's definitely the possession guy. He's definitely the most likely to be hanging around five yards up the field. But he's a guy that is pretty likely a, to be involved in his team's offense every single week. Now, this isn't exciting. It's not, this is a last pick in the draft guy. Okay, because I want if I'm getting production for my last pick, I'm I'm be, I'm winning. That is how you win. He has the upside of any sort of an injury to Julio, who is old and injury prone, or to Calvin Ridley, who's not who's young and healthy for all intents and purposes. But in the year of the Rona, you never know. But if either one of those goes down, those guys goes down, he becomes a fifteen to twenty uh, fantasy point potential guy every week. But even without that, he hangs out. He's going to get you five or six targets. He'll he'll have three or four weeks where he puts up 14-plus fantasy points over the course of the year. You're talking about the last pick in your draft. Uh, he's a guy that I always take. Russell Gage is on every one of my best ball teams. He, you know, Can I, he's always there. He's always available. And most people don't know who he is. I love that. Yeah, now Russell Gage is – that's it's an interesting pick. I mean, if you like Russell Gage – you, ha- I think just by default, you have to be off of Hayden Hurst, right? I mean, it, you can't, both of them can't do well. Obviously, an injury could propel anyone into a bigger role, but, you know, Julio's a target hog. Uh, Calvin Ridley, everyone's projecting for more targets. We are too. We think he's ready to take the next step. But, you know, Hayden Hurst uh, is going to presumably fill that role uh, by that's that Austin Hooper left. But, I, you know, I don't. He, he shouldn't get all of that. I mean, he he. I've, we've never seen Hayden Hurst get a bunch of targets. So uh, yeah, maybe I'm, get, it's I'm a, not a Hayden Hurst believer. To be clear, yeah. So I, I think that that makes sense. You know, it's funny though. You, you said something that I hear a lot of people say, and it, it it's a true narrative that Julio Jones is injury prone. Do you know how many games he's missed over the last five years? He doesn't miss a lot of games. I, I, I've heard your argument. Hey, hold, on, hold on, how many what? games has he missed over the last? I'll say, years? I'll say seven or eight games. Three, <laughs> three. He comes out though, and he plays as a decoy. So it's not a fair argument because Julio just Jones. Saying, just how saying. many times over the last five years did they play him? But he was just out there jogging up, acting as a decoy, and that happens a lot with Julio Jones when he's hurt. But the leg is like a little. He's got the hammy issues, and we saw with Calvin Johnson when the drop off happens, or Des Bryant when the drop off happens with the elite wide receiver, the cliff is sudden. Yeah, Dez is sneaky young, though. Dez is like 30, 31, something like that. I mean, I don't know what the fuck happened with Dez. I don't know what happened still. I don't know. I mean, they still don't understand it. Yeah, the the cliff risk is real at age 31 with Julio, but I don't know. He didn't look too bad to me last year. So anyway, but yeah, your pick of hurt. He's always questionable. You're always every single week. These guys who are questionable every single week of the season, you have to expect that they have soft tissue issues that aren't going away. It's yeah, been a thing with Julio, but that's not, I'm not even counting on that. I just think Russell Gage. Yeah, was no, no, I, anyway, there's definitely a Russell Gage hive out there. I know a lot of dynasty. There is? Like him. Yeah. Yeah. There's a, there's a, a hive meaning a small, you know, okay. group of I don't know yeah. about the hive. I don't know about the hive. I've just been liking Russell Gage. I, I you know, he's yeah, a guy no. I played in DFS last year. I, I, I use the DFS 
to help me identify these guys, these guys who were the one week, like $3,500, like cheap guy who you could play. And hey, by the way, by the way, let's just give our guy in the chat here a little shout out. Vincent uh, Magno, he said he loves listening to us talk football. Thanks, brother. It's the re, you know, guys like you that listen to us talk. It, it gives us a lot of pleasure to do it too. So oh, I, I, on that note, guys, for those of you who are watching this right now, there's a couple things we need you to do for us to let us know you're here. Always, please like and subscribe to the channel. Drop your drop your questions, Pants. your comments, anything oh. in the comment section. It really helps us with the YouTube, you know, or the algorithms for whatever whatever place you're listening to this through, if it's right. on the podcast, through podcast. Hey, you know what? Here's a good way to, this is a good way to say it. I see a lot of content creators position it like this. And this is what gets me to click like or make a comment. If you got value out of this podcast, just do us a favor and click the like button. If, yeah, you, if, you, didn't, if you didn't like the podcast or if it's not for you, don't bother. We don't, we, we understand. Don't just give us a, a sympathy like. If you, if you got value out of this podcast today, just click like. If you want, make a comment. Move yeah, on. Like, that's right, it. There we go. There we go. Hey, I have to say, before, before, no, before we finish, remember, before we finish up, I just want to, you know, I just want to talk quickly because we're coming to the end of the podcast. Let's just talk about our sponsor again because if you want to play best ball, if you've never played best ball, go download the Underdog Fantasy app in your uh, in your app store, Android or um, Apple. It is so simple. You can get into drafts for just a couple bucks and you can win money. Usually, how it works is you're in a league of twelve. And you can uh, draft with an eight-hour clock, or a was it a thirty-second, or they have a fifty-second clock. It's thirty-second and thirty-second clock. Um, key. And the eight-hour though is so key. Well, it depends on what you want. Sometimes yes. I just want to. I want that quick adrenaline draft hit, and I just do that. And go in there, and if you win the league, which is total points for the entire season, excluding week seventeen, you will win the money of the league. I mean, that's simple. Or you can go into another type of contest where it's either five or twenty-five dollars, and then there's an overall component. But the ones that I prefer, I like doing a lot of these individual leagues. That I just feel like I have a better chance to win them. But uh, of course, you, I you absolutely listen. If you absolutely do have a better chance to win those, because uh, you know it's a one in twelve odds instead of a one in 46,000 odds. By the way, please, we don't judge ourselves based on if we can win the uh, the best ball mania contest with a million dollars in prizes where, you know, you've got to beat out 43,200 uh, other entrants in order to hit, like, dude, good luck with that. I'm, I judge myself based on if I go up against 12 people, if I can finish top three, that means I'm in the money. Right. That means I, I had a top 25% outcome. That is a special person. If you can produce top 25% outcomes in anything in life, you're doing really good because the and, average is going to be 50%. So yeah, and what's, what's average massively. You and I talked about this like in any walk of life, any thing you do when you call the cable company when you have to be on hold with the airlines it drives you crazy customer service one thing that our sponsor does and then we'll move on is that they have world-class customer service so if you have a question or a problem with anything you just tweet at them and they they tweet you right back so i think that is any company always deserves a standing ovation so I, I think the best part is i i'm pretty sure they're they're funded by uh, mark cuban himself I don't know that. So yeah. Know. yeah. By the way, is DFS Army give good service like that? Do we do we when people no. have a problem? We just tell them to go f themselves. I tell them fuck off. Go. Uh, you know what I tell people when they complain? Fuck off. You go somewhere else. Good luck. <laughs> <laughs> All right, man. Let's wrap it up. We we did a fifty-five minute. All right, there we go. So best ball strategy. Do you have any other names? Throw out a couple more names that I'm picking around. late. Just, just lightning round. Let's without a lot of explanation. Guys who are winding up on all of your teams, give me three names. Uh, post one twenty, uh, post round ten. Yeah, sure. Uh, it's no problem. If you if you get stuck, you know, again, he's not a guy I'm actively targeting. But if you get stuck at tight end, don't worry. Just grab Jack Doyle. I think he can fall into the end zone seven times, no problem. Um, Jalen Hurd, the wide receiver on the San Francisco 49ers, is is looking like uh, he looked amazing in in preseason last year, and then he got hurt for the season. Now with Debo Samuel out, I like Jalen Hurd as a um, as a good chance for eight or nine touchdowns. Uh, I think that's a good one. And my final one. Um, <laughs> Irv Smith is a, is a tie. I know. I, mm. I'm, I, it's, I know. I know. But he looked good. I've always liked him. And again, if you get stuck at tight end, you're not going to feel good about it. But I, 
I'm I'm so not into Irv Smith that I feel like I need to at least add him in a couple of battles. Now I know it's not like a sexy pick. The other two I like a lot better, but Irv Smith, he looked good enough. And if something happens to Kyle Rudolph, they throw to the tight end. They don't pass a lot to the wide receivers. They have a rookie wide receiver. They're gonna need someone. He mean he presumably will be the second after Adam Thielen, he will be the the second leader in targets on that team. And again, I know it's saying it's not sexy, but who's going to be the who's going to get the second most targets on Minnesota Geek? Who do you think it's going to be? Is it going to be the rookie Justin Jefferson? I, I hope that he will get there, but I think it actually might be Dalvin Cook. So, but we'll see. Fair enough, that's fair. But right, but I'm just saying, you know, I'm talking about tight end life preservers at the end. Irv Smith is fine late. He he hasn't produced yet in his career. It's but been one year, one year. Yeah. All right. Let me let me throw out a couple of names real quick, right. without a ton of explanation. Um, Curtis Samuel, uh, Panthers, disappointing season last year, but they have changed quarterbacks. They have an actual quarterback now that is capable of delivering the football much better than what they had last season. So I'm giving Curtis Samuel another chance. Um, you can get him in the 10th round. Sammy Watkins, the ultimate in best oh, ball yeah. type player. Um, going to have a couple of weeks where he puts up 35. Lots of zeros. Can you believe that the the, um, the starting wide receiver on a Patrick Mahomes offense is available in the 12th round? I mean, it's ridiculous. Get Sammy Watkins. I don't want him on my fantasy team because he will destroy you with his zeros. Right. I get it. He is the stinky cheese seasonal well, fantasy I mean, guy price, all day. He he's, in, he's, in, he's in the dollar bin at the store. You ever walk yeah. into the bin and it's like, it's like, hey, these cassette tapes or these CDs are a dollar. You just buy it. Sammy <laughs> Watkins has been ruining season-long fantasy teams since back in his days in Buffalo. Like He's got a 10-year career of doing this where he'll have two great weeks, but he was on your bench. Because he was fucking up the whole time. And you never get it. He is the ultimate best ball player. And I'm going to throw one more name out. Because um, we didn't mention it. And, and he should be mentioned. Alan Lazard, Green Bay Packers. Oh, yeah. um, you oh, can yeah. get him in the 12th round. Listen. Listen. Actually, listen to what Aaron Rodgers is saying. Which is like, I love this guy. He's my number two guy. He's going to be the number two. He's going to elevate himself. He's now gone into an offseason as the yeah. guy. Last year, he was like some practice squad shit stain. Practice squad. He was a, he was a rookie. Stain. He was rookie, a rookie. Yeah. unheard of. He was behind all these other guys. Kumaro gone. Uh, Marquez Valdez Scanling uh, don't like. Uh, Alice Geronimo Allison gone. All of these other names that were kind of in the way. Yeah, yeah. St. Brown is there, but yeah, I mean, like yeah, you said, he's like, there, but he's 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 like he's just a name lying. on a jersey. Just a yeah, name on a jersey. Yeah, yeah, you know okay. what? It, it's um with Alan Lazard. It's what I like about it is that he had like there's like Brady who's like that, Rogers like that. Like he has to trust you, and then he'll just force feed you the ball. And it it seems like from all the offseason puzzle pieces and data points that he's in the circle of trust for the beginning of the season. If I, I want to last point as before we go, and I'll do the 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 goodbyes here. Mm. What I want you guys to get out of this, because I really want you to win your best ball leagues. I want you to have fun. And, you know, everything DFS is hard. These aren't as hard. These are very, very winnable if you if you use the strategy because your opponent doesn't know. But what I want you to take away from this episode today, and the reason I focus so hard on giving you seven or eight or nine wide receiver names here post round 10 that are all great and will all produce for your team is that you don't have to rush the wide receiver position in these leagues. Fill up the other stuff. Get a one or two wide receivers by round 10, even if you only had one. But ideally, you'd have at least two by this point. But you've got 10 picks. You filled up your team with goodness. All kinds of sexy, yummy goodness. One quarterback on your team. You're taking your other quarterbacks beyond round 10 as well. We don't have to get into those. Uh, you can get Sam Darnold almost the last pick, and I fucking love Sam Darnold for best ball. But... Um, wait on wide receiver, fill them in here with these guys who will play, who will have targets every week, who will do production every week, get eight or nine of them. So that Sam, by way, Sam, Sam Darnold QB 10 over the last eight games last year. I know he's going, look, his ADP is like the 17th round. It's ridiculous. I always, I, Sam Darnold's on every one of, you know what I'm talking about? I should have mentioned him. He's on every one of my best. We got to wrap though. We're going to do four more more of these shows. Let's let's no, we'll keep them going, but that that'll do it for the DFSarmy.com bolt call fantasy podcast topic. How to win your best ball league presented by underdog fantasy. Remember to like, and subscribe to this channel. Remember that if you want our draft kit, if you want our actual rankings, you go to DFSarmy.com. You sign up as a monthly VIP member using promo code says that, Credits my man here says, help him out. Get this man paid a little bit. Fucking guy needs money. 
All right. Um, get him some credit. Sign up with promo code says that gets you 20% off VIP. As of today, right now, we haven't raised the price. It is going up, but we we have a VIP plan. It covers all sports right now, including season long, sit start questions, whatever you need. Of course, all the DFS stuff, optimizer, projections. No one does what we do. Get in there, dfsarmy.com, sign up as a VIP. For myself, you can follow me on social media at FFootballGeek. You can follow Says on social media at Alan Seslowski, S-E-S-L-O-W-S-K-E-I-Z. No, 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 no. That's not how I it's can't spell it. A-L-A-N. Look in the description of the video. I don't know how to spell it. Follow me on Twitter. Is there a Z in there? I don't know. No, no, it's not. That'll do it for the poll call. We'll see you next time. Few days. We're in the heart of draft season. We will be coming at you again and again and again, drilling in these topics so that you don't fuck up your draft. Thank you. Got the best coaches in the game. <laughs> we really ain't playing. We regroup up in the Slack chat where the coaches debrief. We be piecing these puzzles, occupy the chunk of the pie. Ain't no lie when we hit the block. Helmets, casket is top. You be seeing helmet after helmet, helmet after helmet. First place, second place, fifth place, eighth place, twelfth place, fifteen, sixteen, twenty. So many helmets, you got blurred vision. We got.